Welcome to the Get Your Writing Done podcast. I'm Trevor Thrall, author of the 12-week year for writers. If you're enjoying this podcast, please swing by your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It really helps. Thanks. I'm a big sports fan. I'm also a news junkie. At the intersection of these two things is sports writing. Ever since I was a kid, I've devoured the sports page before reading anything else in the news. Over time, I've come to believe that sports is just another lens for understanding ourselves, and that means we can learn a lot about the world from sports writers. We can also learn a lot from them about great writing. Today, I'm excited to have a phenomenal sports writer join me on the pod to talk about writing. Brendan Quinn covers college basketball and golf for The Athletic. Originally from Philadelphia, Brendan has spent the last 10 years or so covering Michigan and Michigan State basketball. And that means I've spent the same amount of time enjoying his work. He writes some of the best feature stories you will ever read. And when you listen to our conversation, you'll understand why. Brandon, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I find that uh, usually when you go on these things, it's always people asking me sports questions as if I actually know what I'm talking about, and I don't. But uh, when it comes to writing, uh, that's that's a conversation I'm far more... Uh... <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. You, you write a lot. <laughs> and, yeah, you write a lot. I, I won't, you know... I, I listen to you talk about sports a lot. I'll, I'll let I put that right out there. So I'm not saying I don't think you know nothing about sports, but I I have to say I, you do know a lot about writing because your writing is wonderful, and I've been following your writing for a long time, um, and so I think people are going to learn a lot from this conversation today. But I want to start and just ask you to go way back in the way back machine. And did you always like writing? Like when you were a kid, when did you discover that you actually liked writing? Uh, you know, in grade school, I was a terrible student. I had all kinds of, uh, issues paying attention and things like that. And, um, really was not, uh, productive with time or anything like that. Uh, I was the, I was the youngest of six kids and there was a large gap between me and the closest sibling. And so by the time I came along, everyone was kind of over it. You know, there's like, whatever, man, if you work done, great. And if you don't, fine, we don't care anymore. <laughs> so if, if I didn't get the work done, it didn't get done. And that was typically the case. Uh, but I loved sports, right? I was huge, grew up in Philadelphia, so a huge Phillies fan. Uh-huh. Uh, 1993, they go to the World Series, right? I'm 11 years old. So it's just this, that peak kind yes. of time, you know, and and I just devoured the sports section every day. So we had two, we were a two paper town. Uh, so it'd be the, the Philadelphia Inquirer got delivered in the morning. So I'd read that with breakfast. And, uh, and then my dad would bring home the Philadelphia Daily News, uh-huh. which was the newsstand paper. It wasn't delivered. He'd bring that home at the end of work every day. So I would read that at night. And eventually he noticed I would read all this stuff in the newspaper, but I wasn't reading anything when it came to school. Uh, and so he started saying, listen, if uh, every morning you have to read, I feel like this is always a good, I don't have kids, but I, I tell the story often to parents um, because I don't know, it worked. But he said, All right, you know, if you uh, if you want to read the sports section, 
you have to read three other stories from the paper and tell me what they're about. And then you can read this. Interesting. So I started doing that and I, I, I started bringing newspapers to, to school with me and I would read, you know, the, the newspaper under my desk <laughs> in social studies or whatever class it was. And uh, I had this wonderful teacher in seventh and eighth grade, a man named John Janda, St. Matthias grade school outside Philadelphia. And uh, he said, he noticed this and uh, knew I had struggled with, with school and doing assignments and stuff and said, you know what, why don't you try to write your papers and your assignments the way you would if they were in the newspaper or if they were newspaper wow. stores? And I started doing that and it built and I just liked it. And I started reading more and I got into, you know, got my I graduated from Sports Illustrated Kids to Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Suddenly, you know, read Frank the Ford for the first time and fell out of my chair, I'm sure, you know, at 14 years old or whatever. And it just kind of grew from there. And um, yeah, I, I, I really, uh, my big attraction ended up kind of evolving into the storytelling process and how kind of um, the structure of stories uh, can, can come to be and kind of can take yes. you in interesting places and all that. And so it all just went from there. That is fascinating. And, you know, kudos to your teacher for yeah. noticing and encouraging and to your dad too. What a, what a fortuitous kind of uh, strategy by the elders <laughs> there. That's fantastic. <laughs> so obviously you got a lot of reps in <clears throat> from, from middle school sort of onward there, but were you always a good writer or did that sort of come with time? No, not at all. Um, I don't think so. At least, you know, I, I think I, some of the, some of the ideas were maybe there of, of how to structure stories and things like that. Um, but it all very much came after the fact, you know, in college, I was an even worse student than I was in grade school. And <laughs> I was certainly not uh, focused on writing, but once I kind of got my shit together and, and focused on what I needed to be focusing on, uh, you know, the bones were probably there. I had a couple decent teachers at, at St. Joe's who um, talked in a different way about feature writing than, than maybe a lot of, of people would um, and got me thinking about it. And once I, once I learned how to read feature stories, then I learned how to write feature stories. And what I mean by that is kind of being more of an active reader of when you're mm -hmm. What's an example? So here's here's a collection of Mark Leibovich's um, political profiles on, on my desk here, right? So by being a more of an active reader and learning how to read, I would start to read um, a story like, say, a Leibovich profile and start to ask myself, why is this the lead? Why is this quote here? Why is this uh, the transition you know, what are the time elements being used? Like, why is the configuration of time played out this way from the character as a younger person to as an older person? And once I read that way, then I started writing that yeah. way. So I'm in no way, I don't consider myself like some kind, like a sit down creative writer. I don't do it. I, I, I think it's very much, you know, once it's reported out, I'm probably formulaic more mm -hmm. than more than anything um, 
in terms of, you know, kind of faking it to make it is what I often feel well, like. It's not, to me, it sounds like I think a, a, a better phrase for what you do would be intentional and deliberate, right? You're not, you're not just sort of, you know, winging it off the cuff and it turns out to have a beautiful structure and a coherent narrative. You're saying, look, there are elements to good narrative. There are the bones and kind of rules of good narrative. And once you had sort of, you know, learned those, you were able, you're able to read more intelligently and then pick up more cues because you're starting to look for that in other right. people's writing. I, I do the same thing when I teach, you know, our graduate students in political science, they, they, they start off grad school, not knowing how to read a text very proactively or, or, you know, really analytically, they just consume it and go, that's the information. But when you teach them to turn around and go, okay, why is this here? Why is that there? How do they make the argument? then they have a whole new level. And so now did you write on the, the sports paper at St. Joe's? I mean, that's for the daily paper. Uh, well, we didn't have a daily paper. We had a, oh. paper and I would, uh, you know, here and there I'd write some pieces, um, did a couple things that were okay, but never really went full board newspaper guy. You know, I never had an internship in school. I didn't, I thought I was going to get one at the Boston Globe and then that like fell through. And of course I had zero backup. And then it just, then next thing I knew it was, you know, five years after I started college, I was out of college and I didn't have, you know, I had a handful of clips from, uh, from the student paper, no beat experience at the paper, um, no internship. But you all. wanted to be a journalist at that point. But yeah, I, I, I knew that I was going to try to take a run at it. I just have you know, I had to pay the bills with bartending for most of the time. That's um, an honest job. But, you know, it's and you learn how to talk to people, too. That's the other thing um, that I, I didn't probably realize until I got older is, you know, mm -hmm. coming from a big family, being growing up in Philadelphia, growing up, my father's a coach. so I grew up around athletics like I don't have a problem speaking to people. Right. But bartending, <laughs> oddly, <laughs> I, out later that it probably really helped me in terms of reading people in terms of you know starting conversations where there are none yeah and things like that. yeah that's really interesting so how did you land your first job what what I uh, well i was uh, I, i'll try to tell the abbreviated version of this i was <laughs> bartending um in philly and was talking basketball uh a guy sitting at the bar named jim sullivan uh, class of 73 at St. Joe's, he goes, Hey, you, he's like, you know what you're talking about? You know, you're a big, big five guy. Uh, you know, what's your background? And I tell him I'm St. Joe's blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I want to be a sports writer. And he goes, I'm great friends with Dick Hoops Weiss and Dick Hoops Weiss for people that don't know legendary, like Godfather type of college basketball writing in this country it's basically him and john feinstein would be the closest things to kind of the the, the dons of the business and uh he goes would you like to have lunch tomorrow and so the three of us went and had lunch the next day uh i'm out of school at this point and uh he you know dick agreed to tell the publisher of basketball times which is a now defunct college basketball magazine to give me a shot to write a story. So I wrote one story for Basketball Times. I took that clip and then went to the Philadelphia Daily News and uh, asked Dick Weiss to put in a good word for me there and talked to some, some uh, other people who I'd met uh, through St. Joe's games, you know, Dana O'Neill, who's now a colleague at The Athletic and 
um, Dick Girardi, who's one of my great friends now, and Mike Jensen, uh, and said, you know, I, I just need to get a freelance gig at the at the Daily News, and they let me cover my first game. It was a colossal failure. I'd never written on deadline, but I got another clip, and then <laughs> gave me another chance. And that editor uh, at the Philadelphia Daily at the Daily News recommended me for a job at the third paper in Philadelphia, which nobody read. It was a Monday through Friday, but it was a job paying 25 a year, you know, and um, it gave me a shot to just go write a lot. Absolutely. It was a, being a, you know, at full time, yeah. you got to just do it. Yeah. You have to just be terrible yes. for a long time and just yes. keep writing and writing and then you figure things out and I had a wonderful editor there who was like I didn't know AP style I didn't know anything <laughs> and and uh this guy Drew Silverman who was like a you know graduate of Syracuse journalism school right a very proper mm. kind of came up the right way had all the internships yeah. and he worked with me on every single piece I wrote on you know just the, the small things that you know, you would just expose yourself with if you ended up at a real shop or something like that. Cause you know, I'm writing for this paper. Nobody's reading me while I'm applying for like the St. Pete times and stuff. <laughs> if I'm going to get hired, like, of course I'm not, but um, you know, that was the delusion it took. And, uh, but yeah, it was just writing a lot and just yeah. all the trial and error. And I've never gone back and read anything from that time. It would be interesting to, to do so, but you know, that's 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. So again, I mean, that, you know, great sort of, um, you know, pointer for young writers. I, you know, reps, absolutely. And help editors, coaches, people who can help you get better because, you know, writing a lot is one thing, but understanding what you're doing wrong and improving it from time to time is also kind of important. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. So, I mean, now you work at, at the athletic, which is a super cool, um, you know, publication for those who aren't uh, familiar with it. I certainly recommend it to anyone. And, and what I think is interesting, and I want to ask you that next is like, so journalists compared to sort of people who write fiction, maybe in their spare time or people who write, you know, nonfiction, but maybe not for a living. I, you know, I think they can learn a lot from the way you, you have to write because your weekly schedule is, is busy and mm -hmm. you have deadlines and, I think the structure of the way you need to produce is, is very different from, from other people's, but I think they could learn a lot for it. So could you just ex sort of explain what does your weekly schedule look like and what, what kind of writing do you have to produce on a regular basis? Um, so I, uh, I cover, I have multiple uh, beats for lack of a better term where, uh, you know, for years I've been covering Michigan and Michigan state basketball. Uh, so those are obviously two teams playing simultaneously in a season. So um, kind of trying to keep both of those teams covered and traveling for games for each um, this transitioning into um, a slightly different role where I'm going to be doing a little bit of national stuff and a little bit of Michigan and Michigan state. But then in the summer I covered PGA tour golf. So that's about five or six months of the year on golf um, six months a year on, on basketball. So it is, it is hectic. And yeah, it's what I probably struggle with the most. Let's start there is, you know, there's different types of things to write. And it's, for instance, right now we're in the college basketball preseason. So I'm writing these, these large scale kind of 
preview pieces that are very much nuts and bolts for basketball readers, right? This is not feature writing. This is analysis. It is data-driven. It is interview-driven. It is just breaking down players, positions, how it fits, what the team looks like, what the ceiling is, what the floor is, blah, 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 right? And then I'm also working on like some pretty intensive feature style pieces, one being a profile, one being a feature on a program. And going back and forth, to me, one of the really hard parts where like, uh, that you, you jumped right to what I, what, one of the questions that one of the, I was, I was teeing up. That. I want to hear what your weekly schedule yeah. is. And I was going to ask you, how do you balance the immediate turnaround of short stuff on deadline with the longer form pieces that you write, which by the way, I, I will just shout them out. They are so good, Brendan. They're really worth reading. And, and I'm trying to figure out how you have time to do both. Uh, well, I don't have kids. <laughs> That'll help. It's one- uh, like I have colleagues that do this and they do have children to that. Like I look at them and they're, they're superheroes. I don't know how that's even remotely possible, but uh, so yeah, having, having vast personal time is, is certainly helpful. Um, you know, I, I wish I had a more profound answer to say, like I map out my schedule this way and that way and, And uh, I don't really, you know, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's the deadline. The deadline is the thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that I've never written a book. It's because I, I don't think I can do it, you know, and maybe I can, and maybe it's a short sighted, but like the the idea of getting up and just doing something that's not due Mm -hmm. to me is insane. And I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. Like, and, and the other interesting part is, that I have found as I've gotten older, I used to be the, I'm going to stay up late into the wee hours of the night and I'm going to write and, you know, I'm going to pour, you know, a little glass of something and, you know, get all the proper motivation and I need the right music and all this, you know, nonsense. And but as I've gotten older, it is, that is over. It has flipped. I need to wake up. I get up sometimes at four thirty, five in the morning and that window of time mm-hmm. that, you know, about 4.30 to 8.30, 9. Mm-hmm. When I have real writing to do, yeah. I have to utilize that time. Boom. That, mm-hmm. That's it. It is, yeah. it is silent. There is no music. Yeah. The phone is away. And that is when, you know, I can write 2,000 words mm-hmm. in three hours. Mm-hmm. And that's it, right? And then I can work on it and change things and, 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 you know, get some editing help and things like that. But if I'm not utilizing that window where my brain, whatever it is, chemically, however this, right. you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. how this stuff, but if, if I don't take advantage of that time, then it won't. So at point being, I feel like self-awareness, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of accepting the way that you work and not trying to pretend to be something else right. or not um, kind of allowing yourself the shortcuts that you know you are prone to, um, which which I know I do often. Um, you know, like I I like the idea of writing in coffee shops and things like that. Right. I don't actually do any when I'm there. I, okay. I am not zeroed in. You know. Right. So okay. So that's that's really interesting because I'm a huge proponent of kind of the where and when ritual. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I it, it does absolutely vary 
by person a lot. I, for example, I mostly got tenure working at a coffee shop on State Street in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And Espresso Royale, I just, I was there every morning at about 8.30, work till about lunchtime and then go take a break. And then I'd go over to the graduate library and work in a carol for another few hours. Like I had my two spots and right. that's where I was going to be productive. But, you know, other people, I've heard a lot of people like morning before anyone else can bother them. But I think you really need to have that. Otherwise, you know, it, it, it gets too easy to sort of not be in the right place. And then you're like, well, I can't get anything done today. Mm-hmm. So, but, but for you, I mean, how do you do this when you're traveling and you're like, I mean, how do you get work done on the road or do you just sort of take notes and then you write it when you get back home? I mean, you can't uh, always be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's mainly, I would say compilation of notes taken on the road. I'm not, I rarely am writing in real time. It's mainly get everything. Um, and like, I, I will, I can't start writing until I know I'm done reporting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't transcribe, right? So on a flight, yep. you know, all right, I'm on a plane for an hour and a half. I'm going to just knock out an hour and a half of, of transcription and, and things like that. You know, use the time where, I'm not going to write anything that's worth a shit, right? To yeah. at least get something right. done. So uh, you've got sort of backup plans for the sort of like interstitial periods of life yeah. that there are so many of in a day, but you can always be productive on some piece of the project. Right. Yeah. right. That's, yeah. I, I think that's fairly important. Um, you know, I have to go down to, to Memphis uh, for the next like three days or so. And I know I'm going to be talking to a, ton of people and yeah i i i've i've been wondering with something like this if i should be trying if i should actually try it and maybe like write some vignettes every day and just kind of have have these things i don't know how that would flow in a story but you know just because you write it doesn't mean you have to use it but um there's always ways to improve it uh you know there are a number of times where i will compile everything i have and then and then you know i leave myself so little time i'm basically writing one and filing yeah. that you know and that's just kind of the nature of of the of the job sometimes yeah. um so how many stories do you need to write a week is there a rule do you have a sort of a standard thing or there's no number like okay. that um you know when i was at m live previously you know you had to write basically three yeah. headlines a day for uh you know those aren't exactly stories but you had to have three things up there we don't have any kind of you know quotas like that i mean they want you to write so yeah. you just kind of get it done and you know, hope that you're doing enough that you don't get a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on the, on the short, long sort of a thing, you know, y- y- I hear you on, on your podcasts all the time talking about, oh, I got a thing that's going to big thing coming, you know, big thing coming, but you're writing all the small stuff. How do you, how do you, how do you balance the the short versus the small, the long in, in a week? Do you sort of think to yourself, all right, today I'm, I got this one, but like, or, or do you work on it a little bit every day or, uh, no, I mean, they're usually done in pretty much one fell swoop. Like the big, the big things, like when I sit down to write them, they're, they're pretty much going to get done. Um, and, and again, pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it might, you know, it might be at, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up and, and I'm doing this and you almost oh. just kind of back out. Next thing you know, the sun's coming up and you know, you got all kinds <laughs> of birds on the page. Uh, so I don't know if that's the healthiest way of doing it, but that's the way it happens. So, right. uh, yeah. And then, you know, like the things that you write live, 
that's just, you're there and you're just reacting and you just, you got to get it done. But, you know, it's, it's interesting having this conversation right now because I've, I've been having some blockage um, and the work it, it's haven't been producing at a, oh. at a in rhythm that I'd that I'd like to be. And mm-hmm. yesterday was at a, was in Kansas city for big 12 media day and you know, wrote all kinds of notes, filled the note pad and got some interviews on, on tape and um, went out and had lunch afterward. And I figured I was going to plop down at the airport and write. And it just it wasn't happening. Mm. Yeah. Just happening. And I get on the plane. Okay. I'm going to get going on the plane. I get on the plane. It's just not there. And then I get back to my place in Michigan and sit down and it's not happening. And finally at 1230, I just had to call it and say, well, I'm just going to get up at 430 and do it and then file it before my editor basically gets to his desk in the morning, you know? And so that's what I did. Got back up at four 30 this morning, wrote it. Everything was fine, but like it's, it can be a little disconcerting when you sure. like, I need to find time, ways to be doing yeah. this better. Yeah, so a little phase that it'll kind yeah. of come and go in, but it's been this way for about two, two months now. Interesting. So has mm-hmm. this, have you, have you had this kind of, what do you call it? Writers, maybe not a, a block, but writer's molasses. Do you, does, is this something that happens to you now and again? I think yeah. it happens to most people now and again. I think it's whether it's just distracted with uh, stuff in life or it's um, maybe you're not reading enough. You know, maybe you go through those times where you're mm-hmm. not. Uh, I feel like the more you read, um, certainly the more likely you are to be writing in a more productive way. Uh, but, you know, all it takes is one damn netflix series that you end up you know getting stuck to and now suddenly you're watching hours of tv mm. you know your brain becomes not kind as of, useful for your writing i guess no it's <laughs> not on i'm trying to you know tried to rewatch succession before starting season three i'm <laughs> set my mind into into the wilderness so <laughs> maybe that all goes back to being self-aware yeah yeah I, so that's interesting to me now so on the writer's sort of blog thing, like I, I assume just from what you said, that's mostly about sort of cranking out the stories. And, and I'm assuming just give, is, is the blockage mostly sort of like the motivation to, to sit down and write the words you kind of already know are there or, or is it like, I just don't have the brain energy to actually think through the arc of the story or. Yeah, both. It's um, I, I think it's, more writing sentences of value, right? As opposed to just writing very mundane, plain spoken, you know, just sentences that just don't have vivid language, that don't have any life to them, that don't have any creativity to them, that, you know, are not, are not, your mind isn't just coming up with interesting different ways to take a sentence or a paragraph or a story section. Yes. Or, or getting into like, maybe, may, man, maybe we tell the story this way, right? Like, and having that kind of spark of yeah. an idea to, to do something. And instead, it's just like a goddamn book report, yeah. you know, and then you write a paragraph like that or two, and you just drop your head on the table. Or you're just like, well, this is it. This isn't going to do it, man. You know, this sucks. And I got to shake something different out of there. And um, you know, a lot of times you have to kind of step back and maybe you read something or 
Um, what do you, what do you read for inspiration? Other sports writers or other, other stuff? Very, very rarely. Well, it's not very rarely. Um, I'd say it's a mix uh, of sports writing and it's almost, it's all, it's all pretty much all feature writing. No, I, I don't read a lot of creative writing. I don't uh, read a lot of fiction. So it, uh, it might be just peel off three pages of a, of a um, Gene Weingarten feature story, right? An old one, something like that. Um, that to any student listening, if you don't have a fiddler in the subway, which is Weingarten's co- collected works, um, you're not doing it right. So, so pick that up and read all of those and they have nothing to do with sports. But in terms of what I'm talking about that, you know, being willing to kind of have mm-hmm. a couple daring sentences here or there or, or play with language or, mm-hmm. you know, come up with something vivid, you know, Gene, like oh. every sentence, every sentence. Dude is magic. Outrageous. So, you know, his, his reading something like that um, can, can maybe, maybe kickstart you. Um, so there's a, th- there are these kind of times where you just can't let yourself get it done just for the sake of getting it done. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, there's writers block the idea of like not being able to write a sentence. That's not what I'm, I'm really no. talking about here. It, anyone really has that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it, it's more that, um, being able to write good stuff, yeah. you know, that you're excited to do. And when you get going and when it's happening and there's that feeling that you just want to bottle every time, like that's just, it's an, it's incredible. It's, it is a high when the sentences are just flowing and the story's kind of taking itself where it goes, like, you know where it's going, but the story is also kind of taking yourself, yeah. you know, it's not autopilot, but you're also, you know, your foot isn't on the gas at the same time, you know? So um, it's, it's just trying to get to that place. Um, and when you don't get there for a little while, it can get frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. No, I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. You don't always have your a game and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. once, once mm-hmm. you, once you know what a game feels like and looks like, and you've seen people respond to it, you're hungry to do that again, but, I, I do sort of feel like, and, and tell me, has the pandemic put a, I mean, you've been incredibly productive during the pandemic, but did you find it harder? Like, yeah. did it, did it grind on you the way it did on so many of us? It was way more on the writing, on the uh, reporting side, mm-hmm. you know, so of, of the type of kind of feature story writing and storytelling that, that I kind of am, am dependent on is, is access based and it's being able to be people and be in, in such excuse me situations and seeing things and yeah one of my favorite favorite pieces that you wrote was the the stuff you wrote when you were sitting behind coach beeline michigan's basketball coach at the was it the michigan michigan state game and you you were telling people sort of the stuff he said and it was and and i remember that um the audience response to that was so strong people wanted you to do it again like i mean for izzo because it was just, um, you know, just like uh, just a, a very cool, very unusual take on on a way to report a basketball game. And how do you do that during the pandemic, man? It, all that stuff that that all that narrative that you're so good at finding and and unearthing, you're you were distant from it. So that must have been. 
uh, and, and but. games like you know the the would be like one of the bigger stories from the recent past like the you know the, the profile piece i did on juan howard and the court that he built in the neighborhood that he grew up in in the south side of chicago like that that couldn't have been done over the phone it, it just couldn't have been um you know all the people that i met for that story in in the housing development that he grew up in in chicago it was walking up and knocking on doors yeah. you know and you know and, and you had, i had to see the court i had to be at the court I had to put my feet on the court right i had to go sit in these people's living rooms well that's just not been possible for the last year and a half so that's been brutal like last year i went through i had to submit like a couple pieces for like the annual usbwa awards united states basketball writers and i'm going through uh, the list i'm like oh my god this is just like <laughs> this is awful like, there, <laughs> there is nothing here so yeah a little sterile compared to a normal year you absolutely know? Absolutely. Right. We're getting out of it a little bit, you know, I'm back on been I've been on the road basically for, for work since uh, last year's masters. Um, so, you know, rolling now, but I just hope it stays that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lord willing. All right. Technical details for those who are wonky like me, mm -hmm. what kind of computer do you like to write on? What kind of apps do you use? Do you have any go-to things you use as a writer oh. to get your stuff done? Well, my MacBook Pro, I literally think I fried it today. Oh, with no. <laughs> it's a $2,000 mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's old. I got this computer when I – how long is a MacBook supposed to last? I don't know, five, eight, something like that. I don't know. Okay. I, I got how juiced up it was. I got, this, I got this MacBook Pro when I went to the Athletic, and that was the September uh, or the summer of – 17 i think so it's fairly old um, a little young to fry it sounds like oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh so no on the um on apps and stuff i, I write in notes okay. because i like that it um it syncs to the phone and yes. mm -hmm. um you can if you're in a spot where you need to add a note or whatever it may be um, have access to it without your laptop. I, I like that that you can get to a story at anywhere, anytime. Um, and so it's you, you literally I, write in the least fancy word application that you could possibly yeah. write in. Love yeah, it. yeah. Um, I don't don't really listen to music. Sometimes when I do, um, I, I I can't listen to anything that has lyrics. So it's going to need to be um, instrumental. It's going to need to be um, pretty low key. Yeah, absolutely. No Beethoven. <laughs> oh no. Um, I, I do like uh, sometimes it, and it might be story dependent, where like the narrative arc, if it if it follows kind of those like you know, up and down and, and has a level of, you know, crescendos that you're going for, like write, writing to like movie themes and stuff oh, like yeah. that. It, it does, it does work. Um, and What's it can the most common movie theme that you would listen to. So when I think of Brendan Quinn writing, what am I going to imagine? <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing to admit, but uh, <laughs> the, I like the Rudy soundtrack. <laughs> 
I'm being dead serious. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm being dead serious. It's uh, it's it's got uh, it's got a lot of uh, flow to it. It's got um, your your image just disappeared, Brendan. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's all right. It's a, it looks it. like it's a golf it shot. There's that you. That's me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's me go. playing golf with a storm brewing. Um, but I do have a um a Spotify playlist that's all various kind of instrumental oh, yeah. mm -hmm. type songs that I just kind of have keep that's probably up to 80 something songs by now. I've been keeping it for years. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll lean on that sometimes, but in terms of like process, other than the morning stuff, no, it's pretty, what about it's pretty, coffee? you a coffee guy in the morning. I, big call. I drink yeah. way too much coffee. Yeah, me too. Uh, it gets, it can be the double edged sword where, you know, you're relying on it and you, uh, it can get you going, but then you, you cross that line of too much and you get jittery and then your mind gets scattershot and now suddenly you're useless in a totally different way. So, yes, yes. yes. Now what about, so, so one of the things that, that I have noticed, and this has been, especially as I've gotten older that I, and you, you sort of mentioned that you've changed as you've gotten older. I now need to get sleep and exercise and like eat right to, to function at a more, at a productive level during the day. Is that something you find too? Do you have to live clean to, to be productive or do you sort of just do what you do and it's eh, no big deal. You're a young guy. So. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like to live that healthy. So I wouldn't, wouldn't really. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't like to either, but. <laughs> to live the way you do. So uh, no, I probably, uh, I got a little bit of a gut and, you know, I probably still drink too much and eat like shit. And I live on the road. I'm on the road a hundred to 115 nights a year. So, you know, that, that kicks the, yeah. kicks the shit out of you pretty good. And yeah. it, a journalist. <laughs> as 40 gets closer, I'm going to have to change some things. Uh, but you know, for now I quit smoking 10 years ago, which was the big, That's the big, big yeah. hang up for, you know, I, I smoked for 10 years and I told myself I couldn't write if I didn't smoke. And I used that as an excuse not to quit for all those years and uh, eventually did. And it turned out that the world didn't spin off its access and that I was able to go write a sentence or two. If anything, I was better. That's, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. Less stimulation, more writing. All right. So let's wrap up on a high note. Advice for someone writing they want to be a good and productive writer. What do you tell them? Um, I'd go back first to what I said about being, it's not just being a, um, a, a large consumer of writing or reading, right? Reading a book in a day, I don't think is as productive as spending two hours with one story, mm -hmm. you know, and read it and then reread it mm -hmm. and ask those types of questions of why is this written this way? And, and, and the, like I said, all this stuff, right. Time elements. And then why would this writer um, burn this quote right here or, or, or how, how was the reporting executed that could have gotten this information Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
think about it in those ways and don't hesitate to reach out to somebody and say, I just read this story you wrote, you know, can you answer these three or four questions or can we hop on a 15 minute phone call? Like 90% of people will do that. Yep. Right. Cause we've all been in been that, that person before. <laughs> That's right. So, like I, you know, in our conversation, I rattled off how many people that basically picked me up off the mat and, and got me, you know, where, where I needed to go. So I talked to pretty much anyone that reaches out. Um, what else, you know, there is, especially young writers who want to do feature writing, and this includes me back in the day. Yeah. Just stopping and really thinking about what your story is about is one of the things that a lot of people don't do. It sounds so basic. It sounds so basic, but the amount of times that I've read something that someone's written and asked them, what's this story about and what's the theme? Mm -hmm. And they don't have an answer that they can say in two sentences. And if you can't give what's called a log line about to tell me what, you know, if I'm an editor or you're pitching me a story, if you can't tell me in two sentences what it's about, then you're not ready to write it Absolutely. because you need to find, you know, that what, when we're young, the biggest thing that we struggle with is we just start writing. We just, we have all, we, we've transcribed all the interviews. We have all of our quotes that we like circled. Oh, I'm using this quote. This quote is so good. I'm using this. I'm using this one. I'm using this one. And I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to start writing sentences until I can get to that first quote. Now I'm going to put that first quote right there. And I'm going to write these next sentences. And then I'm going to use that next quote that I like. And then next thing you know, the story that started in one direction is now 100 yards in the wrong direction. And you're going to have to figure out a way to get that thing all the way back and finish it and have it make some level of sense. What's most important is picking out what your story is, deciding what your story is about. And then deciding, you know, a theme or there can be multiple themes and then thinking about the characters and, and really in your mind, understanding what this narrative is going to look like and what you're going to tell me about whether it's the human condition, whether it's overcoming something, whatever it may be, you need to decide these things before you start writing. And, uh, it's like I said, it's really simple, but it's something that a lot of people don't figure out until later. And, uh, you know, so sitting and thinking for an hour about a story, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and, uh, and developing these ideas because once you decide it and you really got it, that's when it, it half the work's over. Absolutely. The writing becomes by far the easiest part. I, 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 that is sound and incredible wisdom, sir. Well, this has been a fantastic, fascinating conversation for me, Brendan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. And uh, like I said, this is, this is far more interesting than talking about sports. This was great. Thank you. All right, sir. Take care. <laughs>